This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. study through the book of Galatians. We're just going through it verse by verse. If you've missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up at our website at huikala.org. Uh, Galatians chapter number three. Just to give you a quick refresher and context as far as the book of Galatians is concerned, uh, the book of Galatians was not written to an individual church, but a group of churches, uh, probably five or so churches that were in the regions of Galatia uh, that Paul wrote this letter to. He wrote it for one purpose, and that was to combat false doctrine. Uh, it's interesting, sometimes people say, oh, there's so much false doctrine in the society that we live in today, and that's definitely the case for sure. But if you read the majority of the New Testament, the majority of the letters that were written to the churches were to combat false teaching. Uh, you take a look at First John, uh, you take a look at First Peter, you take a look at the book of Second uh, Corinthians, and, and you take a look at First uh, Corinthians dealt, uh, written to deal with uh, church problems. Uh, and really a lot of the New Testament is corrective in nature. Hey, let's set this thing straight. And uh, the book of Galatians is no different. The book of Galatians, though, uh, Paul writes the letter. Uh, usually as he writes to churches, he gives a word of con- commendation to them. Hey, you're doing a great job in this area. Keep it up. But there's some things we need to work on. Even the church at Corinth, which was the most carnal church in all of biblical history, Paul has words of commendation to him. Hey, you're doing a good job in these areas. The book of Galatians carries no commendation. You're not doing anything right. Let's get down to, to the nuts and bolts of this. Here's where you've really messed up. And Paul is, is, I guess you could say, probably scathing from the beginning in his letter because you've messed with one of the central doctrines of the Bible that you cannot mess with, mess with, and that is the gospel. How do we find eternal life? How do we find forgiveness of our sins? How do we find a right relationship with God? And the, there was a group of people there that... Uh, theologians refer to as the Judaizers who say what Jesus did on the cross was good but you also have to keep the Levitical law you still have to be a Jew you still have to uh, follow circumcision you still have to keep the feast days you still have to do the law but it's good that Jesus is there and you can take that too and kind of mash them both together or Christianity is just kind of an add-on to the current system of Judaism and Paul writes a letter and says not the case at all Uh, we don't need the law any longer it's been fulfilled in the person of Christ Uh, Jesus has given us a new way of living, uh, and that's what the book of Galatians is all about. So we find a big contrast here between the works of Christ and the law. And it's not a a both and, it's an either or. And if you choose to keep the works of the law, then you stand in God's wrath and judgment. But if you're willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can find forgiveness of sins and eternal life. As we take a look at Galatians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse number 15 here tonight. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth. Now he's talking about the Abrahamic covenant, which we'll unpack here in just a second. Verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds as many, but as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Verse 16, he says, now he's not making a promise to all of Abraham's children. He's making a a promise to Abraham's seed singular. He says at the end of verse 16, which is 
Christ, which is Jesus. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more of promise, but if God gave it to Abraham, then by promise, wherefore then serveth the law? Why is the law there then? It was added because of the transgressions till the seed should come. Now remember the seed is Jesus Christ, whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. If the law then is against the promises of God, God forbid, for if there had been any law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Verse 22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. It's important to understand from the get-go here what is the gospel. Uh, The gospel is the death of, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind. You and I have broken God's law. That makes us enemies of God, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5. You and I have sinned against God, not once or twice, but really probably on a daily basis, we break God's law, break God's commandments. Not only the sins of commission, the things that we do, but the things that we fail to do, that we should do, we break God's law and his commandments that he's given us. Now, because we've broken God's law, there are consequences for that. Uh, just like if you break the, uh, the, the speeding law or traffic laws, you go to court, uh, a judgment is handed down, and you pay the penalty. You and I have been found guilty of sin, and the penalty of that, the Bible says, is death, separation from God forever in a place called hell, eternal separation from God. And I can pay the price, you can pay the price, or someone can pay for us. Now, I cannot pay for your sin. I have my own sin to pay for. You cannot pay for my sin. You have your own sin to pay for. This church cannot pay for your sin. There's not enough water in the world to wash away your sins. There's not enough good deeds you could do to wash away your sins. Someone must die. Either you can die or someone can die in your place. But it can't be just anyone. It has to be someone who owes God nothing. Someone who has not sinned and transgressed God's law. There's only one person that could do that, and his name was Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, I deserve to die, but Jesus died in my place. I deserved to be separated from God, but Jesus took that burden on himself, and Jesus was separated from God to pay for my sin and to pay for yours. Now, you have to make a decision to accept that payment, You must choose to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says all those that put their faith in Jesus as Savior will be saved. Saved from the wrath of God, saved from hell, saved from a purposeless life, saved. But it requires faith on your part. The moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are born again. That just like you were born physically, there needs to be a spiritual time in your life, a time, a date, and a place where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse number 3, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, you don't have to be a religious person. You don't have to go to church services to be saved. You just need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's all it requires from you. There's no religious process you have to go through. Nobody has to take you through a class. Uh, You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Uh, You don't even have to go to church to to, to be saved. 
But the problem with these folks that Paul writes to in the book of Galatians is they had said, oh, it's good that you have faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but there's also all these other things that you have to do as well. And any religion that adds to the finished work of Jesus Christ is not a true religion. It's a false religion. And if you're putting your faith and trust in anything other than the finished work of Christ on the cross to get you to heaven, you're not going to make it. Well, I think I'm a good person. You're not good enough. I go to church a lot. You don't go to church enough. Uh, well, I've been baptized before. It does not matter where or by whom you've been baptized. That will not save you. The only hope that you have is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it talks about the promise that was given to Abraham. Uh, we took a look at, I think it was uh, two weeks ago, the Abrahamic covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham that had three parts. He promised to give him land, a seed, and blessing. And the last two parts are the parts that are really important. He gave them the land of Israel. Uh, that's why uh, America, I hope, will always be a friend of Israel because God has promised that land to them and it is theirs. And anybody that tries to take it away has been met with uh, great resistance uh, as such. And so that land is theirs promised by God. But the next two parts of the Abrahamic covenant are really important to you and I because God promised a seed to Abraham. He said that he would make a great nation from him and that through him would all nations be blessed. That's the blessing part of that because Abraham was able to father a great nation from his line, the line of Judah would come, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and through him all the world would be blessed. Now, that's important to us because when he gets into this section here, he starts to talk about the seed of Abraham. He starts to talk about the blessing of Abraham and who has access to that blessing and who doesn't. Now, the Jews would say that blessing was for us because it came from our father, Abraham. But Paul says, no, 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 not so quickly. The whole world will be blessed by Abraham's blessing because that person would be Jesus Christ. So as we take a look at that passage, let's unpack it here tonight. First of all, we see in this passage that God's promise to Abraham is fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 16, I know as we read through this, you, you might say uh, it's a little bit wordy, and I realize that the, the word and the verbiage here is kind of heavy. Uh, the, the King James is always kind of heavy uh, from time to time, uh, but it's even other translations of the Bible, other English translations, it's still a really wordy passage. And what I hope you don't do when you get to passages of Scripture that you don't understand, don't just skip them. That's the worst thing in the world you could do. You should look them up. Uh, you should read a good commentary. If you need some information on some good commentaries, I could send them your way. Become a student of the Bible. So many people skip parts they don't understand, skip parts that they think are boring. Become a student of God's word. Here we see verse number 16. It says, now Abraham and his seed. Notice that word seed there is singular. He'll, he'll draw a correlation to that in just a second. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds. In other words, he didn't say that he's going to make a promise to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So verse 16, Abraham and his seed were promises made. Who was that promise? The promise was Jesus. And the promise that was made to Abraham was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now Paul goes on and says, now uh, verse number um, 17, this I say, the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. The law didn't cancel out God's promise. God promised that Jesus Christ would come and all the world would be blessed in him. So he says, this is not fulfilled in the law. The, the Jews were trying to say, uh, we still need the law. 
Jesus said uh, that the law fulfills that promise. But the law itself did not fulfill the promise that the world would be blessed. Uh, That's important because following the rules will not get you to heaven. That's where the Judaizers went wrong. They thought, well, if we keep all the rules and we keep all the feast days and we keep all the sacrifice days and we keep all the rules right, then we'll get the blessing. No, no, no. You don't get the blessing from following the rules. Every religion in the world outside of true biblical Christianity says, do this, do this, do this, and hopefully you'll make it. When I talk to folks and I say, hey, if you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Oftentimes the answer I get back is, well, no one can know 100% sure that they're on their way to heaven because every world religion has conditioned us to believe you do your best and just hope that it's enough. Oftentimes when people uh, have a family member that passed away, I said, well, were they a Christian? Uh, well, I'm not really sure, well, but I hope they're in heaven. Man, nobody wants to think about the opposite of that. I, everybody wants to hope that they're in heaven, but hope is not enough to get us there. Hope is not enough. Uh, good works is not enough to get us there. Keeping the rules never saved anybody. The promise to Abraham also was not fulfilled in any of Abraham's other descendants. Again, he draws a correlation here and says, hey, I'm not talking about the seeds of Abraham. I'm talking about the singular seed, which was Christ. Abraham would, uh, from him would come a great nation that still exists to this day, the children of Israel. But this is not the blessing that God was talking about when he said all the nations would be blessed. He was talking about the person of Jesus Christ. So the blessing would not be fulfilled in the law. The blessing that was coming would not be fulfilled in Abraham's other descendants as well. It's also important to understand why the Jews had the law to begin with. First of all, the, uh, the Bible says that even before Moses received the law, which we sometimes refer to as the Mosaic law, even before he received the law, man had the law already written on his heart, the Bible tells us. Even in civilizations that don't acknowledge the Bible as we do, they still recognize that it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to lie, it's wrong to have multiple gods, that we should take a day, that we should rest and and recharge ourselves. Um, The the Bible says that God's written his law upon our hearts, Romans chapter 1 tells us. And so, but the problem was, is the Jews began to worship not the God of the law, but they began to worship the law itself. We find in the New Testament as it opens up and story, tells the stories through the Gospels of a group of folks called Pharisees that no longer worshiped the God of the law, they worshiped the law itself to the fact that they would count the number of steps that they would take on the Sabbath day to make sure that they didn't go too far, that they had uh, laws that they had set of themselves to make sure that they get, didn't get too close to crossing the line and they lost the spirit of what the law was supposed to do. We'll find a little bit later next week that the law really was just meant to point us to the fact that we can't do it on our own. That you're not good enough to keep God's rules and regulations. That God's expectations are higher than any one of us could reach on our own and we need help. We need assistance. We need someone to save us. We need a savior. And so the law was never meant to save. The law was never meant to bring this blessing to us. The Bible goes so far as to say that the the law wasn't even a blessing. The law was a curse. That it was a weight that we would be crushed under because no one could attain it. So God's law did not render his promise void either. Uh, Verse number, uh, I believe it is verse number uh, 17. 
And they say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. He said some people had actually taken and said, well, the law is the blessing. No, 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 wrong. The blessing is not the law. The blessing is Christ. To this day, Orthodox Jews still reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah. They're still waiting for the blessing to come from God. And they still keep the ceremonial law because they think it is a way to find eternal life. But friend, you can't keep all the rules and go to heaven. It doesn't work that way because none of us could keep all the rules. The law was simply meant for us to show us our own broken condition that we had before God. Even though the law came 430 years after God repeated the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob, uh, Genesis chapter 28, uh, verse 15. So we see the Abrahamic covenant that was given to Abraham and then from Abraham's seed, then it was actually repeated again to Jacob 430 years after it had already come. And so that's what the 430 years come from, from that particular aspect there. But the law didn't render God's promise void. It only strengthened it. That one day someone is coming who will be a blessing and set us free from the weight of the law. Our inheritance is not based upon the law, but upon Jesus Christ. Verse number 18, for if the inheritance is to be of the law, it's no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. You see, the problem with trying to keep all the rules and go to heaven is the fact that not only do all of us fall short, then it becomes a competition as far as who is more holy than another. False religions like the Jehovah's Witnesses actually keep timesheets if you don't believe if you don't believe me you can look it up on the internet you can search the the uh, the app store for your phone and they actually have apps that keep track of how many magazines you handed out this week how much time you spent out this week and all of the works that you did this week so that you can turn that in because somebody's keeping score you see the problem with that is it perpetuates an idea of self-righteousness you see I'm better than you because I did x y or z you know what the bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god there's none righteous, no, not one. And it's foolish for us to compare our, uh, our, our uh, good works to another person. If anything, we should compare our brokenness to one another. Man, I'm a mess, but thank God for his grace. That the law could not save. The law could only point out our need for a savior. And so our inheritance is not based upon the, the law or the rules that we keep, but it's based upon Jesus Christ. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm 100% sure of that. And I've had people say before, there's no way you could be 100% sure. First John uh, tells us, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not think so, hope so, know so. And if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that when you die, heaven's your home, please do not hit those double doors in the back until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am saved and forgiven and a child of God. Don't hope so, think so, because we have a promise of an inheritance, not based on what we've done, not based on a religious system, not because we've checked off all the boxes, but because Jesus has finished the work on the cross for us. That's the only hope that we have. And without the cross, and without Jesus, we are a people without hope. You see, the law is not a savior. It only points to our need for a savior. Verse number 19. Wherefore, or then for what reason, then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed, till Jesus should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. 
Why do we need the law? Because we're sinners. Why did God have to give us rules? Because without rules, there's anarchy. Because we'll go our own way and do our own thing. Uh, Paul said this, I wouldn't have even known that it was sin unless the law had showed me that it was sin. How do we know that lust is wrong? Because the Bible tells us it's wrong. How do we know that gossip is wrong? Because the Bible tells us it's wrong. How do we know that cursing is wrong? Because the Bible tells us it's wrong. How do we know that lying is wrong? Because the Bible says that it is. Now, if we keep all those rules, we don't get to go to heaven. We don't have our sins forgiven. They're only meant to point us to the fact that you will fail. None of us have kept the law perfectly. None of us can keep all God's commandments perfectly. That's why we need a Savior. The law was never meant to be a Savior. But you see, these folks that were Judaizers, they said, oh, the work of Christ is good, but you really need the law to save you. It's good that you have faith in Christ, but if you want to stay saved or you really want to reach the peak of Christianity, you need to bolt on to that, the Jewish customs and traditions, and he's saying to a bunch of Gentiles, hey, you guys need to be circumcised. And they're like, wait, what? Oh, you guys need to keep these feast days that our people have kept for all these ages. And the Gentiles are like, I don't know nothing about no feast days. And Paul says, no worries, guys. You don't have to know anything about that because Christ has fulfilled the law. Jesus himself even said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, to show you what righteousness looks like. The Bible says that Jesus was given to us as an example. Verse number 20 tells us, while the law came through Moses and the angels, the Abrahamic covenant needed no mediator. Now again, verse 20 is one of those uh, verses, uh, verses 19 and 20 are, are a couple of verses there that are uh, a little bit to us, uh, maybe a little bit confusing because the Bible doesn't speak about the ordination of angels in the hand of a mediator and things along those lines. But we do know this, verse number 19, wherefore then serveth the law, it was added the transgressions till the seed should come to the promise was made and was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator, but God is one. So in this case here, the law came to us through Moses. Moses was our mediator for the law. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the tablets and said, hey, here's what God said. Here's his rules. Here's his expectations for us. Here's what we have to follow. Moses also would write the book of Leviticus. He'd write the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, the word Deuteronomy actually means second law giving. So you'll see a lot of repetition in Deuteronomy from the book of Leviticus as well. Two of the toughest books in the Bible to read, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But they're there for a reason. You know why? To show you how difficult it would be even if you wanted to keep the law. You couldn't do it. So what's our hope? Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Now, the Abrahamic covenant, on the other hand, God didn't need a mediator between us and, and Abraham. God went directly to Abraham and said, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you land, seed, and a blessing. And from you, all nations of this world will be blessed. And there's no mediator necessary for that because God spoke directly to him. Final thought here tonight, and this is the most important one. The law kills, but Jesus saves. That's it. If you look through all this here tonight and you go, I was really confused about the covenants and the law and all this other stuff, just know this. Trying your best and keeping all the rules will only kill you, leave you hopeless, and send you to hell. Well, I, I thought Christians were supposed to be good people. We're not good people so that we can go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. 
well, I thought we were supposed to do good. We are supposed to do good, but that doesn't get us to heaven. Your good works, the Bible says, are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Paul even goes on to tell about his religious pedigree, how he was like top dog when it came to Jews. When he was circumcised, what tribe he belonged to, all of his religious things. And he says, all those things I counted but dung that I might win Christ. If you're wondering what the word dung is, it's exactly what you think it is. And he says, those things were of no use to me because I needed Jesus. doesn't matter how religious you are, how good you are, how many times you come to church, where you've been baptized, what rules you try to keep, what good you try to do, it falls short of God's expectation for you and the only hope that you have is Jesus. I heard one man uh, several weeks ago, we were having a conversation about uh, Jews and the law and things like that and he said, the law, phenomenal quote, I wrote it down myself, the law is like the overbearing husband who always complains that you're doing it wrong but does nothing to help. And I thought, man, that is so true. Because the law just tells you, hey, you're doing it wrong. Hey, you lost your temper. Hey, you told a white lie. Hey, you weren't very kind. Hey, you're not good enough. Mm, yeah, I know all those things. What do I do? You know what the law says? <laughs> I don't know. Try better. Be better. Work harder. And we get this mentality, maybe that's just what I need to do. I need to push through and work harder. But you know what the law says? You can't do it regardless of how you try. And so that causes our heart to cry out for someone that could help us. His name's Jesus. And friend, if you're here tonight and you do not know for sure your sins are forgiven and you do not know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, the only hope that you have is Jesus. You can't get there on your own. I'm thankful that you're in church on a Sunday night. Thumbs up for that, but that will not get you to heaven. I'm thankful for anyone in your family that might have known Jesus, but that will not get you to heaven. The only hope that you have is in Jesus and Jesus alone. But if you tonight will come to Jesus and say, I realize I've messed up. I realize I've broken your law. I realize I can't be good enough to go to heaven, but I'm willing tonight to put my faith in Jesus to save me. The Bible says you can be saved tonight. It's a belief in your heart that you've broken God's law and a faith that Jesus is the only one that can make you whole again. The Bible says we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we can be saved. And if there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, let tonight be that night. But for those of us who maybe have been saved, for me, I accepted Christ as Savior when I was nine years old. I need to come back to the, the fact and the understanding that I'm loved by God, not because of what I do, but because of who Jesus is. God doesn't love me based on my performance. And sometimes we get stuck in a rut. I think, well, maybe God loves me or maybe God doesn't love me because I've, I, I've walked away from him because I've been away from him for so far. Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. No, no, God never loved you based on your performance to begin with. He loved you because Jesus died for you. But you see, that also changes our perspective on others as well. When we see others that maybe aren't living up to the standard that we think that they should, we need to remember there are people that Jesus died for and that Jesus loves. There are people who we work with who live down the street from us that may not know that Jesus even died or why he died. And it's our job to let them know that, that to be the light that they need to find the truth that's found in the gospel. I hope nobody here tonight is trusting in your good works. It won't, it, you won't make it. But I hope that all of us want to have good works because they reflect the character of God. 
for me, I want to do good to people. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to, to be kind to others and meet needs where I can and love people and encourage people. Not so that I'm, I'll get to heaven one day, but because I know that I'm already going to heaven. I don't do good stuff to be saved. I'm saved, so I do good stuff. Does that make sense? The motivation behind it is different. You see many folks today went to a church service where they did a lot of religious things hoping that when their day comes that maybe they'll be good enough to make it. And if you think that you're maybe going to be good enough to make it, I can tell you you're not. We all fall short. But if we're willing to continually, every day, lean on the power that's found in Jesus Christ, we'll be good to go. And when you fail this week, and you probably will, just remember, I'm not trying to stand in my own power. I'm standing in the power of Jesus Christ. God loves me. He died for me. And his grace is available whenever I need it. But let's never use God's grace as a crutch. Well, I've got it when I need it. Or I can sin against God because I know his grace is always going to be there. The Bible says that we should keep ourselves from presumptuous sin, presuming on the grace of God. But we need God's grace. Let's run to it. Let's embrace it because that's what Christ died for. The law... No grace found in the law. You break the law, bam, you're done. The law only brought judgment. The cross of Jesus Christ brings grace. Let's live in the light of God's amazing grace this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.